0: We are in our last week of our BC series. If you haven't caught the other, uh, the other ones before, you can go on thegatheringokc.com and catch up. Um, but before we, we close it out, what I wanna do is I wanna share a little story uh, from my life back when I was probably like seven, six, seven years old. These are my favorite stories uh, of my life because I was innocent, I saw the world through a different lens, and it was just an adventure. Uh, and so back in those days, we had a thing called malls where people went to shop and buy goods. Uh, there was no Amazon, there was no internet. Like if you wanted something, you had to go to the mall. And if that mall didn't have it, you weren't getting it because we didn't even know it existed. And when uh, we were young, my mom would often go to the mall for whatever, our shoes or she needed a new dress or you know that kind of thing. And so my favorite thing to do that me and my brother would do, because he's a year older than me, so he was like seven, I was probably six, is we would go into the department store at Dillard's or whatever store it was. And we would find those racks of clothing that would wrap all the, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know, like the racks of clothing. And we would create a fort within the department store within the women's clothing section. And we would just, and we would have this little imaginary world, like you get in there and the whole world disappears. And all of a sudden you're the king of your castle. Right? And my brother and I, we would grab hangers and whatever we could get and turn them into guns, as most little boys do. And we would battle all throughout the department store, diving back and forth between the racks of clothing. And this is what we did. while well, my mom shopped and tried on clothes and did whatever she did. And we would just you know, turn it into a war zone. And I'm sure the employees appreciated that. Um, and so, until one particular day, something happened that had happened occasionally before, but I got lost for the first time. Anybody ever gotten lost when you were a kid? Right, in the grocery store or the, the, the Dillard's or whatever, where you realize I don't know where mom went and you're not her and you're not her and you're not her, oh no. And I came out of the, the little section, I'm, I don't know if I fell asleep or I was just really strategizing, and just I lost track I don't know what happened but I came out of the the rack of clothes and my mom was nowhere to be found and my brother was nowhere to be found and I'll never forget this feeling it was this feeling of utter lostness and it wasn't just that I was lost because in that moment if you remember when you're a kid you start freaking out Like your eyes start darting all over the place. Your heart starts pounding. And all the thoughts of being left at the mall forever and ever and ever start flooding your brain. And you convince yourself in that moment that this is it. I'm going to live in Dillard's homeless in the women's clothing section for the rest of my life. And it was terrifying. Because it wasn't like, hey, she's probably whatever. Like I didn't know when this feeling was going to stop. That was the worst part about it. Because at the park or the grocery store, you could just run aisle to aisle and look down. Nope, not down there. Oh, there she is, you know, and it was a quick fix. Not in the women's clothing section of a department store. That is a maze upon maze for a six-year-old boy. And I hated it. I hated that feeling. That feeling of being lost. Like, have you ever seen that, that gif or that GIF, whatever, however you wanna say it, we'll argue about it later, um, of the, the little dog sitting at the table, drinking coffee, and there's flames all over, and it's like, it's just fine, I'm good, I'm okay with the current situation that is happening around me, everything's gonna work out fine. That's not how I felt. Like I realized the house was on fire and it was burning down around me. And I was, and I was my little, little tiny Andy was freaking out. And I felt lost. It, things were not as they should have been. My mom was not where I last saw her. And most of the time, I I share that story only to say, most of the time in our young adult years, we don't actually get lost like geographically. Some of you probably do, but the others of us have GPS. And we don't get like geographically lost, but we do walk through seasons and days like David talked about in his video, where we feel utterly lost. Like we don't know what's happening. Like things are not where they should be. It's not happening the way it should be. And all of a sudden this anxiety and this fear and our heart starts to pound and our hands start to sweat and we're like, I'm lost. What am I doing? Why am I even at this job? Like, am I making any difference whatsoever? What, what's happening? And you get that lost feeling. Another way to say this feeling of being lost is, is you feel like you're in the wilderness. Like, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, It's it, I'm, in a, I'm in a season of wilderness. Like that's kind of a biblical churchy phrase and that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. We're going to talk about this wilderness feeling because what the wilderness is, is it's simply a metaphor for a difficult season in our lives. And so it could literally be anything. It doesn't have to be like you're physically lost or you don't, but it could be you lost your job. It could be, you don't know what you're going to do next. It could be, I don't know. I'm lonely. I have no friends. I have no prospects. I'm single and I'm going to be single forever. It's never going to happen for me. Like it could be a million things. But it's that feeling of wilderness of like, I'm not sure the direction I should go and I don't see a quick oasis and I don't see something over the horizon, I don't see anything. And it's this feeling of lostness or wilderness. Like for me, I'm just now coming out of about a two and a half year season of wilderness. Because just about three years ago next month, My father got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and they said, you've probably got about four to five months to live. And my world just stopped. Like I didn't care about all the things I used to care about. I didn't like that was, it it just consumed me because it was out of my control. It's not something I asked for. It wasn't a wilderness season that I was saying, Hey, let's go do this. Let's do some work. And six months later, he passed away. And then a year later, my mother got diagnosed with cancer. And so it's just been this long season of like, God, what are you doing? And I feel like just now, just really in the last three to four months, have really started to come out of that. But for a while, like it was, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. My walk with the Lord was not. It was just. It was like we were just missing each other. And no one. Is untouched by wilderness. Like I said, it could be a job loss, loneliness, difficult relationship, depression. It could be a season of spiritual dryness where you have no desire to read God's word. You have no desire to worship. You have no desire for anything spiritual. It could just be a season of dryness or maybe it's a season of rebellion. Maybe it's a season or a moment of rejection from someone or something. Maybe it's a season of failure or a season of waiting. Or maybe it's just pain that you cannot control or rebellion that you entered into. You see, the wilderness can come our way for many reasons and in many different shapes. Because for most of us in our young adult years, this is the first time where you're actually leading yourself. Because most of our lives growing up, we're led. We're told where to go, where to be, how to be, when to be there. But in our young adult years, we start having to make decisions on our own. And we're like, well, I don't really know. What, how do I know what to do, how, what, what to major in, what to job to take? Should I take that job or this job? Should I move to that city or this city? Should I ask that person out or no, because I don't wanna get rejected. Like, like there's, just, there's just this kind of like, ah, feeling. And so here's what I wanna talk about tonight. And that is that there are seasons of wilderness, but the good news is that God never wastes a wilderness God never wastes a wilderness and so why are we talking about this because this is a major not a minor or kind of an occasional this is a major theme all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation it is a major theme the theme of wilderness over 300 times the term wilderness is found in Scripture It is a major theme and so we've seen it you don't know this yet but i'm about to show you we've seen all summer stories that involved wilderness and so we're going to talk about the fact that god doesn't waste wilderness we talked about adam and eve where they leave the garden of paradise to an unyielding wilderness a land marred by curse thorns thistles and sweat we looked at abraham who is called from his country where his family lives into a place where he does not know and then called to take his son to sacrifice to God on a 3 day wilderness journey. We saw Jonah who fled the wilderness because he did not like what God was doing and didn't want to be a part of it, but in the midst of it he learned God's mercy. We saw Mephibosheth who hid and lived in shame because of his name and his crippledness. And he lived his whole life in the wilderness. And then eventually we see Jesus who was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. And so this idea and this theme of of wilderness is weaved and woven all throughout Scripture. In almost every story, we can find it. And we see it on and on. whether Whether God draws us into a season of wilderness, whether we flee to a season of wilderness or whether it's a place of protection or preparation, the wilderness is a place where comforts and control are stripped away, and we can encounter God's presence and provision. Let me say that one more time, I think we have a slide for it. Wilderness is a place where comforts and control are stripped away, and we can encounter God's presence and his provision. So my first point tonight is this that in the wilderness, God teaches us who he is. In the wilderness, God teaches us who he is. So let's, let's recap really briefly. Jonah, in the wilderness, running from God, learns that God is merciful. Towards him and to Jonah's enemies, he learns who God is and God is merciful. That's what Jonah learns in, in the belly of the whale. And Abraham learns that God is provider. God tells Abraham, hey, take your son, your one and only son, whom you love, and I want you to give him to me. Sacrifice him on the mountain. And Abraham says, okay, let's go. And he is obedient. And as he obeys, he goes up to the mountain. And just as about Abraham's just about to kill his son, God says, stop, Abraham, stop. Now I know that you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. And over in the thicket was a ram that just appeared out of nowhere that God provided for the sacrifice. And so in the wilderness, Abraham learns that God is the provider. And then the next week, we looked at Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, unfortunately, made some poor choices. Should have been in a community group, gotten better advice. (laughs) But what did they learn in the wilderness? Well, they learned the holiness of God they learned that God takes their sin and their disobedience and their rebellion eternally seriously. And they learned the holiness of God, that God cannot be with sin. Then the next week we looked at Job, and Job learned in the midst of his wilderness that God is sovereign over all things. And then we looked at Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth learned that God is kind, he was crippled and rejected and terrified for his life. And in the midst of his wilderness, he learned that God was kind from David. And then last week, Mary Ashton did a great job of teaching us the story of Hagar. And in her wilderness journey, she's heading back home, been rejected and treated poorly, been forced to do unimaginable things, and she was going home. And in her wilderness, she learned that God sees her and knows her and cares for her. You see, in the wilderness, God teaches us who he is. Psalm 46.10 gives us an instruction. It says, be still and know that I am God. You know what I didn't do in that department store as a little kid? What I never did was come out of the clothes rack, notice that my mother was gone forever, and just stop and think, who is my mother? Is she loving? Yes. Does she love me? Yes. Does she care for me? Yes. Does she want what's best for me? Yes. So Andy, do you think she left you at the mall? No because I never stopped in my panic, in my wilderness moment, and actually thought about the character of my mother. And so my instruction to you tonight is when you find yourself in a season of wilderness, when you feel that panic and that anxiety, bring yourself back to who God is. Because in the moments of wilderness, he loves to teach us who he is. And in Psalm 4610, it says, be still, put your phone down, Take a deep breath and remember who I am. I am God. Instead of frantically grasping for control in those moments, for a solution, just be still. Remember who God is and don't follow your heart. Inform your heart. Inform your heart from God's word about who he is and what he says. Don't follow your heart, don't listen to your heart, inform your heart what is true. Because I'll tell you this, from my personal experience, I got a lot of feelings, right, as they say, as you young people say, got all the feels, right? I've, I've had the life experiences, I've cried, I've gotten angry at God, I've felt betrayed by the Lord, I've been felt betrayed by people, I've had all the feels. But one thing I know to be true in my life is that although my feelings are very real, my tears are real. My anger and frustration are real. My feelings are rarely reliable. Feelings are real, but they're very rarely reliable. We must inform our hearts, not follow our hearts. Know who God is. When you're in the season, search the scriptures and remind yourself of who God is. Because God doesn't waste the wilderness. Number two, my second point tonight is that in the wilderness, God teaches us who we are. Number one, he teaches us who he is. And then he also teaches us who we are for both the good and the bad, for the both good and the bad. Like this idea that wilderness is a place where comforts and control are stripped away is a wonderful thing and a terrifying thing because in the wilderness seasons, we actually get to see who we are and what we actually believe. The first, one of the first times I ever felt this was when I, uh, when I, when I moved to Oklahoma City. The, the company that I worked for, the, it was a ministry that I worked for. They, I was in St. Louis, I worked there for a year and a half, had a great life, loved the Cardinals, got to go to games all the time. Loved my small group, had a girlfriend, pretty serious girlfriend. And my company said, hey, we're gonna move you to Oklahoma City. I was like, I don't have a cowboy hat. I'm sorry, I can't go there. Because <laughs> I'm from Iowa, and this is like the deep south to this island. And I didn't wanna come, I did not want to come down here. And I remember moving down here, I was moved away from everything that I loved, all the good things in my life, I was moved away. And in that season, I didn't know one single soul here. I didn't know where to go, I didn't know where to eat, I didn't know anything. I was a lone person in Oklahoma City and there were no Young Adult Ministries in 2001. And so I got mad. I've just told you God doesn't waste the wilderness. I do. I wasted it. Because for six months after I arrived here, I didn't read my Bible, I didn't pray, I didn't go to church, I was just mad. I threw my hissy fit. And what that wilderness season did for me is it showed, God showed me who I was. And what I was was entitled I was spoiled, and I was that guy that said, God, if you don't behave for me, I will not follow you, and I will not worship you. That's what he revealed to me in that season, that if you don't behave the way I want you to behave, then you are no God of mine. And that was humbling to come to that conclusion, and he showed me that. Wasn't, didn't feel good, but man, I'm glad that he did, because he fleshed that out of my life, Early on, And I still, listen, I, I'm, I was telling the guys earlier, like I'm probably one of the most, like this is what, a struggle for me. I'm one of the most entitled Christians I know. Like you, I would be lying to you. I couldn't stand up here and tell you the truth if I didn't say when my dad got cancer, I pulled the entitlement card. God, um, I have followed you all of my life. I have taken jobs that don't pay as well that I could have taken. I have served you. I have preached your name. I would be lying to you if I did not say those words not three years ago. Heal my dad. I was entitled. And it came rushing back from 23-year-old Andy to 40-year-old Andy. It's still a struggle. Because in the moment, I forgot who I was and who he is. And as we look back on this summer, we look at Jonah. And in that wilderness, God showed him who he was. And it wasn't pretty. Jonah found out, or at least we found out, that Jonah is merciless and he is bitter. That he will follow and be a a wonderful, happy prophet of God as long as it's good news that I get to deliver to people I like. Jonah learned that he was merciless and bitter. Abraham learned that he was not in control of things because God had promised him a son. And then God said, hey, why don't you go take that son and, and sacrifice him to me? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And we heard last week the story of Hagar. I mean, I did a great job of describing God gave them a promise and that promise wasn't happening when they wanted it to happen. So uh, Abraham and Sarah took the matter into their own hands and said, go sleep with Hagar and she'll give us a kid because God's not moving on my schedule. And so Abraham learned about himself that he's not in control, that God is the one that provides. Adam and Eve learned of their pride for the very first time They learned that there's something in them that wants to be like God. And that's our family line, that's in us. On the other hand, on the positive side, Job learned that he didn't require blessing and material stuff to follow God. Mephibosheth learned that his past and who he is and who his family is does not define who he is in the future. And then last week, Hagar, what a wonderful message She learned in the wilderness that she was not alone. She felt alone. Her experience would tell her that no one cared, but God met her in the wilderness and said, I see you and I care for you and I will take care of you. I think sometimes we think the wilderness seasons are only bad, but could it be that a wilderness season in your life, that God would strip some things away In order to move you to a place you would never get to if He hadn't. And in that respect, wilderness seasons of our life can actually be the most loving thing God could bring to you. That He's gonna strip some things away that you've put confidence in, He's gonna strip some false beliefs away before He can really do what He wants to do in our life. I'm so thankful for my wilderness seasons because there's lessons and things I learned about God and who I am that without a wilderness season I never would have learned. You see God uses wilderness to strip away the comforts and controls that we use to mask and disguise ourselves. It strips away and exposes who we really are and what we really believe. And at the end we are found wanting that we need something bigger than us outside of ourselves. I'm not in control God's not going to behave when I want him to behave he is sovereign but the great thing and we sang it tonight that he chooses mercy over judgment he doesn't look at you he's not coming towards you with judgment he chooses mercy over judgment God doesn't waste wilderness the first thing he does is he shows us who he is the second thing he does is he shows us who we are I want to tell you a quick story as I get into my third point. One of my favorite things that my kids like to do um, is is hear stories of their upbringing. (laughs) Like they want to hear ancient history. Like tell me four, four years ago, what happened? And like their favorite stories are, tell me about the day I was born. They love to hear those stories. Like they've heard them a million times. And they wanna know, tell me about the time we went there. And tell me about the time that we got into that big fight with each other. Tell me about the, like they wanna hear the stories of our family. And what's great is we have these uh, Shutterfly uh, deals for Christmas, Taylor gets me all of the pictures and she sends me the Shutterfly and she gives me a yearbook every year of our family. And so they, they love to open up the yearbook and just flip through the pictures and ask about the stories. And we tell them the stories about when they were a baby, when they learned to ride a bike and when they fell over and over again and how we picked them up and wiped their tears away and tried again. They love and hunger for these stories because they wanna know who they are but what they're actually really asking because they know the stories. We've told them a million times. They know the stories. Here's what they're really asking. They're really asking for us to tell them who they are to us. They wanna hear mom and dad tell about how wonderful it was to see them come into the world. They wanna hear what they mean to us. And that's the third thing that God does in the wilderness is he teaches us who we are to him. He teaches us who he is, he teaches us who we are, and then he teaches us who we are to him. One of the most popular terms in all of Scripture is remember. Remember. Because we are humans and we forget who God is and we forget who we are and we forget who he sees us as. And so this is the best part of the talk tonight. Because who we are to him is loved. Loved. And this is not rocket science. We all grew up probably knowing this. Our culture knows this. We see it at every football game on Sundays. John 3, 16 is the proof of who you are to him. It's the famous verse. For God so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is how God views you. And the story of scripture of God bringing reconciliation is the story of how he views us. His kindness, his gentleness, his admonishments, his corrections, his convictions are all coming from a place of deep abiding love for you. And so he sent his son, his one and only son whom he loves for you. And just as that action proved that Abraham loved God, he sends his son Jesus to us to prove to you and to me that he loves you. Because he gave you his one and only son whom he loved. God sent his son because he loved the world. You see, the whole Bible is about God's steadfast love for his people and his activity on our behalf to set us free from the wilderness and set us back in, in, back in his presence through the blood of Christ. You see, catch this picture. Wilderness is a theme throughout scripture. Genesis, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden into the wilderness where there was cursed land. And so because God loves you and because he loves me and because he loves us, He sent Jesus into our wilderness and said, son, go. You leave your home and you go to where they are, where you will be alone and you will live a life of this earth. Man, that's incredible. We live in between the gardens, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, in his love, God, in his sovereignty, sent Jesus into our deepest wilderness, because we have a deeper wilderness than you not having a job. There's a deeper wilderness than you being single. There's a deeper wilderness than you having no friends or not liking your job or whatever it is. Our deepest wilderness is sin. And Jesus said, I'm going to enter in to your wilderness so that we might be one together and you might be back into the garden. I read it a couple weeks ago, Ephesians 2 says, is Jesus who takes those who are far away and brings them near? How do you do that? Jesus had to go far away to get us, to bring us near. So in review, in in the seasons of wilderness, whether that's loneliness, depression, addiction, bad job, whatever it is for you, whatever difficult season you're in, ask God who he is, who you are, and who you are to him because that's what he does in the wilderness because God does not waste a wilderness. So what do we do with this? I got three things for you to close out. Number one, when you're in a season of wilderness, when you're in a day of wilderness, of difficulty and suffering, Ask God to soften your heart in the wilderness. Ask God to soften your heart in the wilderness because this is a a big issue because the minute we feel like we're in the wilderness, we harden the heart out of self-protection and survival. And we start talking, well, if God loved me, if if he was actually good, this wouldn't be happening. That's not true. Paul tells us God works all things out for the good of those who love him. He is for you. Hebrews 3, 7 says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Number two, ask God to teach and lead you in the wilderness. Ask God to teach you and lead you in the wilderness. Psalm 25, 5 says, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And when you start thinking about who wrote that, David, a man who lived most of his life in obscurity and in the wilderness, running for his life, fighting off wild animals, shepherding his father's sheep. He said, While I'm there, lead me in your truth, teach me what you're doing. And then, thirdly, when you're in the season of wilderness, cultivate and grow in the wilderness, cultivate and grow. In the wilderness. And here's the caveat on this one. Not only healthy things grow in the wilderness. You know what also grows in the wilderness? Bitterness, anger, frustration, hatred. They all grow in the wilderness. And so that's why I use the word cultivate. Don't just grow, because anything can grow. Unhealthy things, cancer grows, and it's not good. We have to cultivate. We have to cultivate. We got to keep an eye on our hearts and our minds. We got to cultivate the healthy growth. We got to pull the weeds and throw them out. What that looks like for me is just getting in God's word and remembering who he is, who I am, and who he sees me to be. And be reminded that God loves me and he cares for me. He's working all things out for my good. Psalm one, one through three says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This person, the blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So what is the psalmist David saying here? He's saying, Plant yourself to the stream that gives life. Whether you know it or not, you are planted next to something. You are planted in something. A lot of that, the the, the low-hanging fruit here is you're, you're planted next to the music you listen to, you're planted next to the people you hang out with, you're planted in the shows that you watch, and you're planted in your internet history. Like, that's what you're planted in. Plant yourself in God's word that gives life. That's what the psalmist is saying and the promise there is when you plant by streams of living water you will bear fruit and you will never wither even in the wilderness. And then Isaiah 43, 18 because I don't know about you but when I hear wilderness I think of like a parched desert and I read that I'm like Andy, there's no water in the desert. Oh, oh, oh. Isaiah 43, 18. This is another prophetic Part of the Old Testament where Jesus, the Savior, is speaking. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Even in the desert, God will provide for you the living water to grow you and not waste that wilderness. So we see the wilderness in the Bible as an overarching theme. It's woven throughout its many stories, every story, and it's woven in our story. The wilderness is the world we live in; it's the seasons we experience. And I just want to close tonight, in this entire BC series, by bringing us back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve, because of their rebellion, sent out into they were sent out into the wilderness therefore in god's great mercy jesus entered our world our wilderness to bring us back into the presence of god to bring those who are far away near to seek those who are lost and frantic and freaking out home and so i just want to encourage you tonight don't harden your heart maybe some of you have heard the gospel message you grew up in church and you've hardened your heart many a time. Like I've heard this before. There's no guarantee that's gonna happen again. Don't harden your heart towards God. Lean into God. Soften your heart and say, if you say so, all right, I'll trust you. Because he's not tr- God is not trying to rip you off. He's not selling you a line. He loves you. You've heard me say it a million times because I'll say it again. God did not send Jesus to catch you in your sin. He sent Jesus to set you free from the sin that has caught you. He knows you're in the wilderness. He knows you are caught. He's like, I will come and set the captives free. And then I will give them life and life to the full. Guys, as, as always, we're gonna go back into worship. Our prayer team is gonna be in the back. After we're done, the prayer team will be in the front. Don't harden your heart. If God's speaking to you, do not leave tonight without doing business with a God who loves you, with the God who sent his one and only son whom he loves to save you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go into our 120 seconds. We'll leave these on the screen. If you're new, 120 seconds is just our time to reflect and pray through this lesson tonight, maybe whatever God's speaking to you. And then after that, we're going to worship another song and then we're going to have a little party outside. So let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Bible that, that lets us and helps us remember who you are. That you are a God who is holy. That you are set apart. That you are righteous. And that you are kind. And that you are merciful. And that you are the provider, not just for Abraham, but for us. That you provided for us, your son, to bring us back from far away to near. From lost to found. God, I, just, I thank you. Our words just don't have enough. So God, I pray you do some business with us tonight. I'm praising things you in your name, amen.